The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. According to the Australian Heart Foundation, in the last 10 years, more than 92,000 Australians have lost their life to a heart attack. Today we speak with Dr. Amara about preventing, diagnosing and surviving a heart attack. Dr. Amara is an interventional cardiologist at St. John of God Hospital in Subiaco and was a former board director of the WA branch of the Australian Heart Foundation and was instrumental in raising awareness of heart disease in women with the Go Red for Women campaign. Can you tell us how many Australians are suffering from a heart attack? Well, it's estimated that there's about nearly 8,000 lives lost to a heart attack a year. And that equates to about 21 patients a day dying of a heart disease around Australia. And is it increasing? Is it something that's becoming more problematic in society? Um, We expect it will be increasing. I think statistically speaking, the last couple of years, there's actually been a slight reduction, but with a wave expected of obesity and other Mm. risk factors for heart disease, we're expecting it to further increase. That said as well, it is already the major cause of death in Australia amongst men and women. Okay. And what exactly is a heart attack? So a heart attack is actually when some of the heart muscle dies because its blood supply has been cut off acutely or a plaque has ruptured in an artery, which is a pipe supplying blood to the heart muscle. Mm -hmm. And so that then triggers death of that bit of heart muscle and abnormal pulses called arrhythmias. And so what causes a heart attack? A heart attack is caused by a blocked artery, which is on the outside of the heart, which supplies the heart muscle with blood. Mm. The actual Blockage itself is caused by plaque or atherosclerosis, that's the medical term, and that contains cholesterol, calcium, inflammatory cells and other things we haven't identified. This plaque builds up over one's whole life, so it may start as a minor irregularity when we're young in our 20s or 30s and then gradually builds up over a lifetime to become a significant blockage in the pipe. At the time of a heart attack, we've actually found that this plaque ruptures like a little volcano and a clot actually attaches from the blood on top of it. And that's how blood flow is completely blocked to the heart muscle at the time of a heart attack. Okay, so then what is the difference between someone suffering angina and and, and a heart attack? So in both situations, the patient may have chest pain. However, The chest pain or chest tightness that you have during a heart attack is what we actually call call angina. So angina is actually any pain from lack of blood to the heart muscle. It can just be that the pipe is severely narrowed and you don't get enough blood to the heart, but the heart muscle is not actually damaged. Mm -hmm. And, And that pain from the lack of blood is called angina. So people often may not have that when they're resting, watching television or so forth, but when they actually exercise, they may bring on angina or chest tightness. 
That's different to a heart attack because in a heart attack, the heart muscle is also dying and the angina can often be a lot worse. Okay. And then who is at most risk of suffering a heart attack? Why is it that some people might have a heart attack and other people might not? So we don't know all the answers to this. There are things that make more some people more at risk of having a heart attack and, and these are risk factors. So they're things like family history. There, there is often a significant hereditary component to a lot of medical illness. And if something runs in the family, you are more likely to get it. We haven't identified specific genes yet for this in cardiology, but we know that if it runs in the family, it can actually occur at a younger age. Mm-hmm. There are other risk factors for heart disease as well. So Things like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes all make it more common for that kind of patient to have a heart attack. Other risk factors are a little bit unexpected. So it has been discovered years ago that depression to the point where it's actually affecting your life can actually be a risk factor for heart disease. There are things like lack of fruit and vegetables in the diet that also can be a risk factor for heart disease. Smoking, Mm. which is less prevalent these days but still a problem, is a major cause of heart disease as well. And there's a couple other risk factors such as obesity and lack of exercise that also make it more risky in terms of you are more likely to develop a heart attack. And so what is the difference? What makes a difference to hearing the stories of someone surviving a heart attack and someone sadly not surviving a heart attack? Well, sadly... Often it's the access to medical treatment and how quick you can get it in in the case of a heart attack. Mm. Unfortunately, 50% of people having a heart attack don't make it to hospital and have died at home still. And that's a statistic we haven't improved in 20 to 30 years in Australia. However, getting to hospital sooner, there are big differences now in treatment. So in Australia, ambulances can do ECGs. So Mm. if you call an ambulance as soon as you think you might be unwell and having chest pain, it improves your survival. Also, that is because if you are now having an ECG at home on the ambulance stretcher and a heart attack can be identified earlier, the ECG is actually faxed to an emergency department in a hospital and at the hospital end, we mobilise treatment for that patient sooner if it's a heart attack. So when the ambulance arrives in the emergency department, the patient is often wheeled straight to our cath lab where the cardiologist will operate on the heart attack and unblock the artery. In cardiology, time is muscle. So Yeah, what is that? Can you flesh so that, that out a little bit? What so do that you mean means by that? The quicker you get to hospital and have your artery opened, the less damage to the heart muscle. Okay. And also that translates into improving the patient's survival. So your outcome is a lot better if you get to hospital sooner because you are less likely to die from the heart attack and you're also less likely to sustain damage to the heart muscle so your heart function is preserved so you're less likely to have symptoms of shortness of breath later which may relate to heart failure from damage to the heart muscle and the heart actually can't pump like it would usually so every minute longer that you're not getting to an ambulance, is that when sadly you hear of people saying your, your yep. heart muscle will be dying? Or? That's right. So every minute counts. And we actually know that and we measure from a medical point of view how quickly we open the artery. And 
there's a statistic we collect at the hospital called door to balloon time, mm. which me- measures how quickly we can actually open someone's artery from the time they've got to hospital. And with the ambulance doing ECGs and bringing patients quickly to hospital, we can often do that within an hour now. That's amazing. And so what are the tests that we can have done that could help predict our risk of heart attack? So the tests are done in conjunction with looking at an individual's risk factors. So Mm. one would sit down with their GP or a specialist and look at all their risk factors. The actual tests that can tell us whether you're developing plaque in your arteries are things like calcium scores, which are done with low-dose CT scans, and also CT angiography, which actually is also a radiology test that looks at what your arteries look like to a degree, plus how much calcium there is. Both of these tests aim to detect whether you have early plaque. Mm. And if you have early plaque, we would intervene on it sooner now with medical therapy or stress tests or other tests that are appropriate, depending how much plaque you have that's in your arteries that is silent and not causing any symptoms yet. And then if you have a family history of cardiovascular disease and say you're, you know, you're a father in your 50s or a mother in your 50s and you've like had a family member pass away from a heart attack, is there um, a test that's um, not invasive that you might go and speak to your GP about getting a referral for? Yes, so that, that would be the calcium, calcium scores yep. or a CT angiogram or a stress echo or some of or all of the above. The above. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's a common scenario and we're seeing people earlier now before they have individually developed a problem because they're worried about their mm. family history. And we yeah. look at that in conjunction with all their risk factors and what's the best individualised kind of test for them. Okay. And so on the news, sometimes you hear of these really young people or really fit people suffering what seems to be an arrest on the footy field or something like that. Are you able to explain that to us? Yes, so we we do hear that and these may not all be heart attacks per se. It may not be due to lack of blood to the heart muscle from a blocked artery. There are other causes of sudden death and cardiac arrest in young people and some of them come on with exertion because of the nature of the disease, but there's a condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy that can put people at risk when they exercise of a sudden arrhythmia where a bad pulse causes cardiac arrest. Um, and these conditions can be picked up early sometimes with echocardiography in conjunction with talking to your GP about your family history. There can be other catastrophic things that can happen when people exercise, such as aortic dissection and even some neurological events. So these catastrophic events in young people may actually be a different mechanism to a standard cardiac arrest, but certainly some young people can still have plaque in their arteries, which ruptures, causing a heart attack. Mm. So if you're worried, say you're about to... Uh, do a particular marathon or you're uh, um, someone that's got heart disease in their family and you're really someone that likes to exercise, always best to speak to your GP and maybe discuss those um, activities prior to participating in them? 
Yes, certainly. And especially if you haven't exercised for a while and especially if you haven't exercised to that level. So it's worth talking to your GP to have a look at your risk factors to see whether there are any tests you should do, whether you should have a stress test before returning to exercise or other investigations as well. And then it's important that someone train rather than go from being sedentary to running the city to surf straight away, that they actually train and do things in a supervised progressive manner where the body actually can cope with that level of exercise. No, that's a really good tip. And in terms of uh, what are the warning signs of a heart attack? I mean, we all know about the, hopefully, about the central chest pain, but what are the others that we should be mindful of? So you're quite right. Not everyone gets the Hollywood chest pain and falls down to the ground. Exactly. We've seen it on the telly. That's right. So, you know, whilst chest pain across the centre of the chest, a heavy pressure feeling is a very common thing, some patients complain of jaw pain or left arm pain or numbness. Some people may get back pain and then you can get a whole lot of other symptoms that you might not expect, such as shortness of breath, sweating, nausea, vomiting, collapsing temporarily, palpitations or one feeling that their heart is racing. So all of these can be early symptoms and it's important that people don't diagnose this for themselves. You know, any Mm. acute severe symptom could be a heart attack. Some of what's described, people often say, oh my God, that sounded like flu. So if you have the sudden onset of severe symptoms and you're feeling very unwell, we don't want you to diagnose yourself at home. Mm. We want you to call an ambulance and come to hospital. It could be a heart attack. There are other things it could be as well. Absolutely. And are they, do the warning signs differ from men to women? So sometimes they do, and it's important to put a spotlight on this. Women often have atypical symptoms where they're not what you'd actually expect for a heart attack. So women quite commonly may not get chest pain at all. They may just feel short of breath, sweaty, clammy, anxious, and they just may feel very sick and a feeling of impending doom. So again, it's important with these abnormal symptoms to get them checked out immediately. These symptoms, which we call atypical symptoms, not only occur in women, but they're Mm. also more common in people who are diabetic or immunosuppressed. And what are the ways that we can prevent having a heart attack? I suppose these are the really important ones because if we can do anything... So this is really important because heart attack a lot of heart disease can actually be prevented and delayed. So the most important thing is knowing your risk factors, knowing actually what you can do, what you should improve on for yourself. Mm. And that's where we say you should know your numbers. So when you go to the GP and have your cholesterol checked, know what your cholesterol is and know what that means. And also when you have your blood pressure checked or your blood sugar checked, know what numbers you are and what that actually means Mm. and then look at your overall status in terms of family history your weight and your height and whether you're overweight um, whether you're exercising enough we we know everyone should be exercising to a moderate level every day you don't need a device to measure moderate exercise in cardiology we talk about exercise being to the point where you're hot puffed and sweaty Mm. but you are not exhausted 
So, so is that when you can? I remember hearing years ago you should be able to still have a convert. You know, you should be able to talk to someone. Or that, is that's that wrong? right. We don't want you to be an extremist. We don't want you to go running to the point where you're vomiting. And mm-hmm. again, it's important if you're returning to exercise to have a graduated program and gradually do a bit more every week or whatever to gradually build up your fitness. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're exercising, you actually reduce your risk of having a heart attack straight away. Maintain Maintaining normal body weight, eating a healthy, balanced diet, lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, cooking from scratch. Mm. Um, often a Mediterranean-style diet is a good example of what is healthy with um, unsaturated fats or mono-unsaturated mono fats. Yeah. So the olive oils and... Olive oil, peanut oil, canola are the healthy oils. Yes. And to actually be not adding sources that have sugars and other things in them that are extra calories that you have Mm. to burn off. And what about salt? So we say that you shouldn't be adding salt to your food. Mm. We know in population studies that populations that have a higher salt intake have more heart disease. And what about the the men and women that come and see you as a cardiologist and they might be drinking and smoking? The advice is to... So smoking, there is no safe threshold. So no smoking is the party line there that hasn't changed for years. Alcohol is slightly different. So, you know, some population studies have shown people have less heart attacks if they have one to two standard drinks a day. Again, that needs to be looked at in context of your illness pattern and your Mm. family history. So for women with a high um, risk of breast cancer, that may be moderated further. But there's certainly evidence that um, a small amount of alcohol is actually safe. An excessive amount of alcohol is not safe for the heart and can actually cause heart failure and a disease called cardiomyopathy. Okay, well, thank you for clarifying that. Well, I think we've learned a lot about heart attacks today and how we can prevent them, but also what the risk factors are and getting to hospital is paramount if if we're feeling those symptoms and, and seek medical attention ASAP. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Meditalk. I really appreciate your time. A big thank you to Dr. Amara for sharing her time and knowledge. To learn more about Dr. Amara, visit sjog.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.